Would you pray with me? Now, Father, I think how many times I uh, have just assumed, God, that, that my deepest physical desire was a reflection of my truest need. But God, after, after decades of seeing your faithfulness, God, I know now that, that my deepest desires are just the beginning, God, of my, of my truest need. You, thank you. Thank you, God, in our deprivation. God, thank you in our thirst and in our hunger that, that you who are a good, good father, God, provided far more than we could ever have asked for. God, you gave us yourself. God, I confess sometimes I feel like the, the woman in John 4 who going about her daily business, encountered you. And, and you transformed her understanding of what desire was. God, and she realized that what she needed was not water. What she needed was a wellspring of life welling up within her and overflowing to all those around her. And so... And so, God, I pray as we gather here today in the sanctuary with our beloved friends online, God, that, that you would grant that desire, that you would give us your Holy Spirit today. God, uh, may, it, may it become that wellspring, may he become that wellspring that, that wells up within us and blesses every area of our life. And then, God, as we, as we turn to your word, I pray that that Holy Spirit would interpret for us. That Holy Spirit would, would take your word, which, which has an amazing message for each of us, and, and help us to understand how we can embrace it, how we can put it into practice, how we can be transformed by it. So God, we, like the woman at the well, we, like the widow of Zarephath, we, like, like Elijah, God, at the brook, we have such a great need for you and you alone. God, I pray for those, and there are many, who have suffered great loss in, in recent times. I think of, of the Watson family, and we just, we just pray your richest blessing as, as they not only recover from Grandma's heart attack, God, but, but, then, but then grieve with her over the loss of their uncle and I, I just pray your peace, which passes all understanding, would, would guard their hearts and minds. And God, that you would, like, like Isaiah said, you would allow us to fix our minds on that peace. Right? God, I think of, of those who are engaged right now in huge struggles, Lord, of uh, physical health, of, of emotional uh, well-being. God, we're thinking of, of, of Amy Johnson, God, and, and just pray that, that the hundreds of miles separate us, that your Holy Spirit would transcend that distance, that you would reveal yourself to her, that she would come to physical, emotional, spiritual wholeness. God, thank you that you know each of our deepest desires. You even know, God, those prayers that we can't even verbalize. 
Because we're so afraid that we'll be disappointed. But you never disappoint. If, if we don't get the answer we ask for, it's because you have something better in store. So God, today we celebrate your faithfulness to Elijah, God, to us, to a new friend that we'll meet, Obadiah. God, thank you that you are willing, you are able to provide our deepest desires. We love you, God, and, and thank you for the privilege of coming to your word. I pray that, that you would take the words of my mouth, God, and the meditations of all of our hearts, and that, God, they would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mm. We're going to go a couple different places. We're going to go back just for a moment to Isaiah 26. So if you open your, your hardcover Bibles right to the middle, you'd be right around Psalms. And you go a little bit to the right, you'll meet one of the major prophets, Isaiah. Uh, if you're on your phone, go ahead and, and look up Isaiah 26. It is a beautiful, it is a beautiful uh, passage. I'm stumbling because, because um, the Bible is one story from beginning to end. And if there are parts of it that seem unfamiliar, they're just like lifelong friends that you haven't met yet, right? And, and the more time you spend with a friend, the closer you draw, right? The more time you spend uh, in those passages, the more beautiful they become. We're going we're gonna to pick up this beautiful story which began back in verse 1, but we're going to pick it up just for a second in, in verse 8 because, because Isaiah is speaking to God about his judgment. And it just strikes me that, that judgment sounds like such a harsh word, and, and, it, and, it, and it is. Sometimes the judgment of God is, is painful, but it's always good. It's judgment with a purpose. But I do want you to see beyond just negative judgment to every thought God has, every discernment that he makes, right? Um, it's also very good. And Isaiah writes this, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, there's that capitalized, small caps, Lord, O Yahweh, we wait for your, for you, your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. Wow. Your name and your remembrance are the desire of our soul. And then Isaiah continues, my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Oh my goodness, in, in your small groups this week, you'll explore that idea of learn righteousness a little bit more. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness, Isaiah says. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord, the very word of God. I'm going to read again that last couple of lines because I have someone in mind that you don't. Um, I have Ahab in mind. And I want you to see that connection right there. When your judgments are in the earth, O oh God, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. And if favor is shown to the wicked, 
he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, king of Israel, Ahab, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. Mm. Turn with me now, would you, to our passage for today. Uh, this comes from 1 Kings. So now we're way back toward the front of your Bibles. 1 Kings. We have been in uh, 1 Kings 17 for several weeks, and, and we're moving now. We're, we, we are moving toward one of the greatest confrontations ever recorded in the Bible uh, that has happened so far. There's a great one coming, isn't there? But, but this great confrontation on Mount Carmel. But, but um, today we're going we're gonna to press pause and look at a critical connection that happens in Isaiah's story that might be important for us as well. In, in 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 1, we read these words. After many days, three and a half years to be exact, the word of the Lord came to Elijah... In the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Again, let me just emphasize this for a second. For at least three years, uh, the, the drought had probably been going on for six months. By the time Isaiah announced to Ahab that, he, that the drought would not end except by his word, for at least three years now, Ahab has been searching for, for Elijah. And we've seen how God has hidden him in different places, one of them profoundly. And, and Ahab has not been able to find him. Now Ahab is desperate, right? He is desperate. And the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, Now go show yourself to Ahab. So Elijah went, in verse 2, to show himself to Ahab. Now again, The famine was severe in Samaria, unlike any that the the world has experienced since. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household of Ahab, right? Now, Obadiah, we're told parenthetically, feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord and, and she killed them, uh, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So he personally was protecting and feeding a hundred prophets of the Lord. We've been following the story of one prophet, Elijah. Obadiah is caring for a hundred, right? And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to all the springs of water, to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. Now, it sounds crazy at first because you think, am I reading this right? Did he, does he care more about the mules and the horses than he does about his people? But I would just remind you that horses in his day were like tanks, right? Horses are, are weapons of war. And, and if he loses his horses, then he loses his strategic military advantage, right? So they divided up. Um, Ahab, the king of Israel, is out there looking for water. Ahab and the head of his household doesn't mean like butler. It means like his chief of staff, right? 
the second in command, Obadiah, who we just learned is a follower of God, who fears God. So they divided up the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And it was as Obadiah was on the way, that phrase should strike meaning in many of your hearts, right? In your going, right? Make disciples of all nations. As Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my Lord, Elijah? Remember, he hadn't seen him for three years, right? Probably Obadiah was in that hall when Elijah courageously approached the king of Israel and told him that there would not be dew or rain except by his word. Obadiah was probably standing right there, and he has not seen him since. And Elijah answered him, It is I. Go tell your Lord. Behold, Elijah is here. He didn't mean God. He meant uh, Ahab. And he said, and, and Obadiah said, How have I sinned, Elijah, that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? We're all going, What? And he continues, As the Lord your God lives, There is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Look at this. This is crazy. And as soon as I've gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come back, excuse me, when I come and tell Ahab, And he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I was your servant, I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to you, Elijah, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. This is a pretty good rant, isn't it? And he will kill me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before, here it is again, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. I'm going to read one more verse. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? The word of the Lord. Now thank you, God, for your word that it never returns to you void. Would you do that miracle again, Lord? And take my words and, and transform them, God. I pray that your voice would be heard, not mine. I pray that your truth would be made known, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, wow. I, as I was thinking about this message, it just struck me a long time ago. We did, we did a whole series called um, God in Unlikely Places. Do you happen to remember that? Uh, the, the theme for it was a little flower growing up in a sidewalk, right? That sometimes life just blooms in the, straight, the strangest of places. And, and 
I cannot express to you how dark it was. Um, Not physically, but spiritually in these days. Remember that, that we've been told a couple different times already that there was not a more wicked king in all of Israel's history before Ahab. And, and Ahab had a partner in crime. Remember how we are talking about praying for our children. He, in a strategic move, he married the daughter of the king of Sidon to cement their relationship, and she brought evil and wickedness. She, she killed the prophets of God. She set up on the government payroll the, the false prophets. She set up the worship of fertility god and goddess in the sanctuaries, right? Um, um, words cannot express how spiritually dark it was then. And I know that, that sometimes you come to that place where it just seems dark. Sometimes physically, many times emotionally, and, and oftentimes spiritually. Um, my great prayer today is that no matter how great the darkness is that through His Word, God would shine light and you could see this mystery of, of the light of God showing up in, in unexpected places. I want to start us by, by recognizing God's servants, those who would call themselves by the name of God, right? God's servants are called to unlikely places. It's not like this is an aberration. It's not like this is uh, somehow God fell short. No, I wasn't paying attention. Right? No, no. He's sending Obadiah. He's sending Elijah into these unlikely places. Even as I thought about that this week, that, that scripture from Psalm 23 uh, came to me again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? Oh, my goodness. The, the idea is that... that the place where you're going to find sustenance is going to be in the presence of those enemies. We've seen that very clearly. Let me just summarize again. In Elijah, the prophet, right? We saw how, how God pulled him out of nowhere. There's no other record of his existence. And then placed him before the most powerful person in Israel's culture and the most wicked and, and, and did a straight-up confrontation. Um, I, My God is greater than your God. There will not be rain or dew on this earth until I say so. And then we saw how God led him to that beautiful uh, brook, Kareth, right? Reminder of the covenant of God. And and, and just this amazing miracle provided water through the brook and provided meat and bread by ravens, right? By ravens. Then we saw how God intentionally... Uh, allowed that brook to go dry. He could have created a spring. He could have done 15 other things. Instead, he let it go dry and then commanded Elijah to go to Jezebel's backyard and and uh, be, be cared for there by the, the last and least of the culture, by a widow there who was ready to die. And, and uh, just an incredible story of how uh, God led Elijah through the darkness in the presence of his enemies to his perfect uh, purpose for Elijah's life. 
And just a reminder of a couple truths about Elijah. Remember, his name meant, my God is Yahweh. Yahweh, that, that um, literal transliteration of uh, what we understand when God said to Moses, Moses said, what is your name? My name is I am that I am. I am that I am is, is the word Yahweh, right? We saw how he was fed in the wilderness by a raven and, and by a widow in the backyard of a wicked queen, right? We saw God's gracious provision for Elijah in that way. We saw how he was called to confront people and institutions of power. I'm, I'm really struck by that. God has just been working with me. I, I tend to think about people first and and. I try and pour my life into people and, and ask God to use them to bless other people. But God is in the business of transforming institutions as well, right? And so God called Elijah to confront people and institutions of power. And I just want to note here that, that it seemed like God called Elijah to work from outside the system. That doesn't mean much to you yet, but you'll see it in comparison in just a moment, Right? God called Elijah to confront Baal worship that was now shaping the people of God. And, and the, the, the words escaping me, the sponsor of all that wickedness was Jezebel, Ahab's chosen queen. The heartland of Baal worship was Sidon where God sent Elijah to be protected. But today we, we meet a new person. We meet um, a man named Obadiah, and and I know that in your in your um, study of scripture you've come across the book of Obadiah, which is a judgment on the nation of of Edom. But understand that that the name Obadiah has meaning, and the meaning of that name is servant of Yahweh, right? And so there are a lot of Obadiahs. This is not the same one. This was one of God's unique creation. His name meant servant of Yahweh. Instead of being fed by ravens at, at the brook Harith, he was fed in the palace by slaves at the table of the wicked. Isn't that crazy? Can you, can you imagine a, a greater contrast between these two servants of God? Um, he, was, he was called to serve people and institutions of power, even if they were wicked. I'm going to bring that home, Lord willing, because some of you are in exactly that situation. You, you are in a place and you are working for an institution or maybe a person who does not honor God, who's demanding of you things that press to your utmost limit, your ability to respond, right? This was that kind of person. Obadiah, the servant of Yahweh, was called to be the second in command, the, the chief of staff, the head over all those institutions of power, right? And look at this. He was not outside the system. He was inside the system. He was inside the system. Oh, my goodness. And, and it was a wicked system, right? But God placed him there strategically, right? My aim today is to encourage every Christian who's been called by God to serve him in a dark place, right? It might be a workplace. It might be uh, a broken relationship. It, it might be 
uh, a difficult situation. And, and you're so tempted to, to say, God, just deliver me from this, right? But what if, what if God strategically put you there, right? The Bible speaks to every circumstance of life. And the surprising testimony of Obadiah, I think, is meant for us today. If you have a difficult boss, imagine what it would have been like to work for Ahab. Kristen, plug your ears, okay? If you find that your work puts you in the middle of difficult ethical decisions, right? Imagine what it was like. Oh, I I can't. I can't. And add to that, that if he was discovered, he would immediately be put to death. Christy, it's so good to have you in our midst. A dear friend from way back is with us for a month. But, but um, my goodness, I, I just, I struggle, right, to, to um, wrap my brain around the, the situation that God has placed you in. And, and the situation that he's placed so many in our congregation in. But he's sovereign, isn't he? Um, we, we just had this conversation, but it's so affirming to me. I've got to repeat it. Larry is with Jesus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, right? Larry's with Jesus. But we're still here in, in an ever-increasing darkness, right? Um, God's got a purpose. He's not done. He is not done. Well, in Elijah and Obadiah, we see substantial differences, right? One working from the outside, one's working from the inside. Uh, It's just a phenomenal, a phenomenal um, interaction on the road that day, right? Um, um, Two followers of God who I'm not sure they trusted each other, right? I know Obadiah didn't really trust uh, Elijah because his life was in the balance, right? It doesn't seem like Elijah had any love for Obadiah. And, and beloved, that kind of describes Christian community right now, too, right? We're very quick to judge one another. We're very quick to criticize what someone else in the family of God is doing. Is it any wonder that that someone on the, a non-believer looks and says, oh, thank you, God, I can have drama in my own life without getting involved in that, right? Um, we got to unite around the one thing that is worthy of uniting around. Let me put that differently. The one person that is worthy of uniting around. We need to make God the center again of all that we're doing. They had incredible differences. But were there any similarities? I think so. I think so. And I just, I'm probably out of time, but I just want to, I just want to anchor us today because I want to speak, I want to speak into your situation, right? God places his servants in positions of influence for the purposes of grace, of grace. Now, we've learned that scripture is sometimes prescriptive. It's saying, do this. Be like this. Oftentimes, it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive saying that happened, right? And we're going to see that with Elijah. Elijah is a complex individual. And, and sometimes in moments of, of wonder and amazement, he 
courageously and spot on represented the will and purpose of, of God. And, 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 and we'll see, sometimes he did the opposite. Sometimes he did the opposite. But, but there's, there's truth for us in our challenging situations as well. I'm saying this by faith and hope I can flesh it out over the weeks to come. The reason that God puts you where he puts you is for the purpose of revealing his unmerited favor, his love for all people. God so loved the world, right? To, to reveal his grace. Think about, oh gosh, we just pick off these people, right? Think about Joseph, right? God put him at the right hand of Pharaoh in the court of Egypt after years in the pits, right? And, and, and what even his own family meant for evil, God used for good. Think about Esther, right? Stolen from her home. And, and, and I can't even describe how terrible that was, uh, that she just became a consort of the king. But God, but God used her and elevated her to the point of being queen, Right? And, and then God gave her the courage at a critical, how does the Bible put it, for such a time as this, right? And, and Esther saved the people of God, right? Oh, my goodness, we could, we could go on all day, right? Think about Daniel, right? Think about Joanna, because we're going to see Joanna again this spring. In the New Testament, she was the wife of Chusa who was Herod's household manager, right? Herod's chief of staff. And she was, she was one of the women who went to the tomb of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning, right? But imagine being a believer in Herod's palace, right? That's where the head of John the Baptist, she was probably standing there when they brought John the Baptist's head on a plate. That's all me right there, but... But that's what the courtiers did, right? They stood there and watched everything that happened. And it would be so easy, as as I'm so prone to do in my quiet time, to skip over Paul's words in Philippians 4. Uh, Paul says, The saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Isn't that incredible? God placed followers of Jesus in Caesar's now we're not talking about Herod. We're talking about Caesar's household. Okay, I'll get off my, my horse here for, for a second. But how did these people get into all these positions? Well, well, they were highly gifted, and you are highly gifted. They, they were ever increasing in their integrity. They made promises, and they kept them, and they grew in the image of Jesus. And God called them to represent him in the corridors of power. He called them to re, uh, represent him in these dark places. That was Obadiah's story, right? The king's first calling was to fear the Lord and write down all of his commands so that he could learn to walk in his way. And we saw in Isaiah, that's exactly the opposite of what Ahab do. But God placed next to him someone that did. And a hundred prophets were saved as a result of that. That's just the, that's just the beginning of the impact 
of Obadiah's life. Well, let me try and land this plane for a second because you might be in a difficult place. A, a, a Christian teacher might, might be thinking, how, how can I teach this curriculum, right? How, how can I teach what not only I know from God's Word is not true, but I know from science is not true, right? Um, um, how can I do that? You might be asking yourself that. A, a pharmacist, and, and one of our children, by the way, um, Alex Coulter is my pharmacist now. I, I remember him when he was that tall, right? And, and now he's, he's making decisions that save my life, right? Oh, my goodness. Be careful what you do with those little ones. <laughs> They're going to choose your nursing home. I'm, I'm kidding you, right? Christian pharmacist says, how can I possibly serve the, uh, uh, serve these pills over this counter, right? How can I do that? A lawyer might ask, how can I defend this client? A banker might ask, or a financial person, how can I invest in this company? I know what that company does, right? A politician might say, oh, God, how can I compromise to get what I want? How can I compromise on something that I know is near and dear to your heart? The list goes on. But, but it's the real world in which we live, amen? And so God's Word speaks speaks to us in the midst of that. Now, I want to just say, it's very tempting to say, well, I'll just withdraw from that world. And, and God has a purpose in those who withdraw. Uh, if it weren't for the Essenes, we probably wouldn't have the scriptures of the Old Testament, so they protected that. But far and away, far and away, it seems like God's first purpose is to engage, to engage that. So let me, let me hit just a couple of thoughts for you, if you are in that situation, right? And, and I'm going to think about it in terms of Obadiah and Elijah. Uh, I'm going to think about it in terms of, 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 of people on the inside and people on the outside. What about you? What about you? How? Think back on Elijah's story. How is God preparing you for this critical moment He's calling you to. We've learned from Elijah and Obadiah that seasons of waiting and wanting can be amazing opportunities for growth and development. And remember, remember Zarephath means refinery, right? And, and growth and development and refining, right? When we surrender, as we did just a little while ago in worship, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Have your way. In me, when we, when we surrender ourselves to the Lord, when we receive the, the waiting and, and the wanting and the deprivations patiently as part, sometimes a painful part, but a part of the sanctification process, God uses them to produce things of great value in our lives. Faith, resilience, godly perspective, deeper, more personal Intimacy with him. This is kind of like when the mic starts dropping in the floor of the, of the things and the music starts playing. You know, finish up, Pastor Dave. Let me just say to you, there is a purpose in the deprivation. How is God preparing you? Where is God placing you? Whom has God placed in your sphere of influence? I said, well, I, I can't recall ever doing anything of significant 
think about my wife, you know, 29 years of loving little children. And now one of them is her pharmacist, right? Um, um, who knows what God is going to do? <laughs> through a principal, through a teacher, through a parent. Who knows what God is going to do? A couple of quick thoughts. For some of you called to the inside like Obadiah, expect trouble. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. Now, sometimes it might be trouble for you, and sometimes you might be the troubler, the trouble, uh, right? Uh, Ahab said to, uh, to Elijah, is that you, O troubler of Israel, right? Expect to be misunderstood and misinterpreted. But expect also that God will keep you. Trust in him. Trust in God to keep you. Just like Obadiah trusted and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, I will show myself. Obadiah didn't die that day, though that was his greatest fear. But what about, what about you uh, culture warriors, right? What about what are those of you who are called to speak into people and institutions, right? Let me just say it again. Don't pass judgment on your brothers and sisters. God might have called them to something different. I don't, it's just me, but I just felt from Elijah that he didn't really respect what God had called Obadiah to do, right? He couldn't see that God had strategically placed Obadiah there. Remember that there, God has other servants besides you, right? And your part in this thing might be just to take the next step, right? You don't have to confront the prophets of Baal, but you just got to take the next step. Remember that God has other servants who will pick up that mantle with you. And this is going to be, this is Dave now, but this is going to be kind of important in the weeks that come. At one point in his depression, Elijah said to God, I'm no greater than my father's, right? Sometimes, beloved, God doesn't call you to greatness. But all the time, he calls you to goodness, right? And that goodness, that integrity comes from him. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for men and women of the faith. We've named so many here today. Who, who helped us understand, God, what it means to live out the call of God in our life, what it means to, to be people who make promises and keep them, what it means, God, to worship a promise maker, a, a promise keeper who is always faithful, who always finishes what he starts. Oh, God... Help us to discern our part in your greater kingdom. For those overwhelmed by the darkness, I pray that you'd shine light into their lives, God. So they can see your hand at work. But most of all, God, in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the wanting, I pray, God, that we would know that you are faithful. That you never change. That you're the same yesterday, today forever. We worship you, O Lord, our God.